You are listening to Sermon Audio from First Baptist Church in Louise, Texas. Thank you for listening. Just, just a few weeks ago, I was listening to a Christian and an atheist. They were debating one another. And it was a long and drawn out debate. But here, here's what happened in the conversation that was specifically interesting. The Christian who was arguing um, his side, he said this. He said, if you want to cut Christianity off at the knees, right, there's only one thing that you need to prove. There's only one thing that you need to prove to prove, disprove Christianity. And so I started to lean in. I started to say, what is this that he's going to say that you need to disprove to blow Christianity out of the water? He said, all that you have to do is prove that the resurrection didn't happen. That's all you have to do is prove that the resurrection didn't happen and then you can prove that Christianity is true. All you have to do is prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And Christianity's over. And I sat back and I simply just sat there and thought about that. And he's right. If you can prove that Christianity, that, that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then Christianity is false. Right? That is the foundation of our faith. The resurrection of Christ is the foundation of our faith. Let's, let's listen to how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, uh, starting in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our pro- proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God. Because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised Christ up, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Isn't that amazing? 2,000 years ago, Paul was saying, if you can disprove that Christ rose from the dead, then your faith is in vain. What Paul is saying here is that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have no life after this one. We have no faith, and we have all believed a lie. I was listening to another interview just yesterday, and they were talking about the resurrection. And they were specifically talking about the truth of the resurrection. And one of the, the interviewer asked the, the guy uh, a question, and he said something that made my ears perk up. And I'm sure it will make yours perk up too, but I want you to listen to me very carefully, okay? Very carefully. Christianity isn't true because the Bible says it's true. Listen, Christianity isn't true because the Bible says it's true. Christianity is true because of the empty tomb, right? Because of the resurrection of Christ. It is the event of the resurrection that verifies the claims of Jesus. That he is the Son of God. That he came to fulfill the promises of God. That he came to ransom the world. That he came to overcome sin and death. Therefore, even if we did not have one line of the New Testament, Christianity would still be true. Because Christ conquered the grave. Now hear me out. I do believe that the Bible is the authoritative, inspired, and infallible Word of God. I do believe that. 
But even if we did not have one line of the New Testament, the truth of Christ's resurrection would remain the same. The truth of Christianity would remain the same. The resurrection of Jesus is what Christianity and our faith and our belief and our hope for eternity lies in. And obviously, we are all here today, very early in the morning, to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, right? We are here to to celebrate and praise the one who conquered sin and death, to praise the resurrection of Jesus and the hope of the resurrection to come. We all believe and have faith that Jesus rose from the dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We are all confident in Jesus' power over sin and over death. We trust in the God that can take dead things and make them alive. But what do we do with that? What do we do with that trust? What do we do with that faith? I believe, according to the scripture, God has more for us than just a simple belief in the resurrection. If we believe Jesus rose from the dead, then we have hope. Just last week in our Sunday school class, our our Sunday school lesson kind of came to a halt when one of our Sunday school members asked this question. He asked this, he says, what's the difference between faith and hope? What's the difference between faith and hope? How are they the same and how do they contrast? And we talked about it. We talked about it for like 30 minutes. Like it was the whole Sunday school class. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, I was trying to fumble around. I was like, there's a lot of overlap, right? There's a, a lot of overlap between faith and hope. But how do we do this? So all day long, until about 6 o'clock that night, I was just churning this over my mind. And this is kind of what I came to. I came to, faith is trusting in who God is. Hope is trusting in what he'll do. Does that make sense? Faith is trusting in who God is. Hope is trusting in what God will do. And the reason that we can have hope is because we can trust in who he is. Right? So when the resurrection happens... We hope that that day we will be raised up with him again, right? Because he promised it. We will be transformed. We will be able to live in the light of the goodness and the grace of the Father forever and ever because of Jesus' resurrection. Hallelujah. All right? Paul writes a little later in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. And this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When the corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of Of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
That is our hope, guys. That is our hope that God will finish what he started. Right? This is a hope that can never waver. This is a hope that will never fail. It is a hope that strengthens us, a hope that guides us, a hope that is not dead, but a hope that is alive, a living hope. And for Peter, we're about to switch over to Peter. Peter and some of the early Christians, this hope of the resurrection is what they thrived on. We were about to look at uh, 1 Peter, the first few verses of 1 Peter. But before we do, I want to lay a little bit of a foundation, a little bit of a framework for what's going on here. Okay, When Peter writes 1 Peter, he's writing to men and women who believed in Christ, but they were cast out of their homes. They were exiles in a foreign land. They were surrounded by people who persecuted them and that constantly challenged their belief. Their lives and their circumstances were bad. They could have easily lost hope. But Peter tells them not to focus on your circumstances, but to focus on Jesus and the hope of the resurrection. Their hope is not tied to this world. Their hope is tied to Jesus' victory over the grave. We have hope in what is to come because we trust in the perfect overcomer. Listen to what Peter says. First Peter chapter three verses or first Peter chapter one verses three through twelve. He says this Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for, our, for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Peter is telling us here that we have a living hope. And because of that living hope, we are to bless God. God is to be blessed because he has given us new life in Jesus. He has made us new creations. He has given us new birth. He has given us a living hope in Jesus Christ through the resurrection. Faith in the resurrection of Jesus doesn't just save you. It sustains you. It gives you hope. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we have hope. Not a dead hope, not a dry hope, but a living hope. 
And we receive that living hope because of God's great mercy and his great love for his creation. When chaos surrounds us and things don't go according to our plans, when we face trials and temptations and suffering, there are many things that people put their hope in. They put their hope in drugs. They put their hope in alcohol. They put their hope in other people. They put their hope in the government. They put their hope in escapism. Let me just get away from this. You name it, and they put their hope in it. But all of that hope is dead hope. Why? Because eventually all of those things are going to fail. All of those things are going to lead to emptiness. All of those things are going to eventually leave you high and dry. All of those things will pass away. But through the resurrection, we have something greater than these temporary fixes. We have a hope and inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is unfading. We have an everlasting, unconquerable, and perfect hope. We have a hope that no matter how bad things get here, we have a loving God who has solved our greatest problem. He has conquered sin and death. He has died and rose again so that we can have a new life, so that we can be born anew, so that we can be reconciled with God. A living hope in the resurrection is more sure than hope in government. It's more sure than hope in people. It's more sure than hope in our circumstances improving. Because guess what? Our circumstances may never improve. Our government may never meet our needs. Other people will surely fail us, but God never will. God will never fail us. He is the only thing in our lives that will always come through. He is the only one in our lives that we can have a sure hope in. Why? Because he proved it at the resurrection of Jesus. At Jesus' resurrection, he proved that he could be trusted. And if we belong to Jesus, then we have true hope. And it's a living hope. You know what a living hope has? Vital signs. You know what a living hope has? Victory. It has signs of life. Now, I... Peter's writing this letter, right? Peter, the disciple of Jesus, is writing this letter. I want you to think for just a second that you're in Peter's shoes. The night before the crucifixion, you are bombarded by people asking you if you know this Jesus. And three times, you deny him. Three times, you deny knowing your friend. Three times, you deny your teacher. Three times you deny loving your Lord. And I can only imagine that those three days after Jesus' crucifixion, Peter was in the darkest night he had ever faced. All hope had been lost. He had betrayed his Lord. He had betrayed his friend. And he sat in that betrayal for three days. It was dark. And it was hopeless. It was crushing. But then, on Sunday morning, dawn broke through. When Peter saw his precious Savior, hope was restored. Peter saw that he had a living hope in Jesus. 
the resurrection of Jesus was life-changing for Peter. Not only that, but because of Jesus' grace toward Peter, he was restored. His denial of Jesus didn't cast him out forever. Rather, his trust in Jesus and his belief in the resurrection restored him into right relationship with Jesus. Jesus graciously forgave Peter. And the resurrection of Jesus is no less powerful and life-changing if you believe. For you and for me, it is no less life-changing, no less powerful. Jesus restores. And Jesus heals. And Jesus brings life. And when you believe, God protects you. He places his hedge around you. He guards you. And he lives inside of you. Isn't that amazing? We know and hope that if God raised Jesus from the dead, we can experience that same life. That is what we place our hope in. And what God promises, he will surely come to fruition. He will surely complete. Peter continues to tell us that this living hope that we have in Jesus is the reason that we can rejoice when things aren't going the way we want them to. When suffering happens. In, in verses 6 through 9 of that same chapter, he says this, You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him, now you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. All the suffering and all the trials that we face, we know are temporary. They are only for a short time, especially when we compare it with eternity. When we get to spend eternity in the presence of our Lord, these sufferings, are only temporary, but they are purposeful. They have purpose. We don't suffer trials arbitrarily. There is purpose in our suffering. The purpose is to develop our character so that our character can be proven. The purpose is for us to be more like Jesus, for us to place more of our hope, our faith, and our trust in him. I had a pastor say this before, and I think it's worth repeating. In your pursuit of Jesus, not one ounce of your suffering is wasted. God uses all of your suffering for good. And though it can be hard for us to see, know that it is for your good. It is for the good of those around you, and ultimately it is for his glory. Peter tells us that the purpose of our suffering is to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we truly have faith, and we truly place our hope in Jesus, then we know that he's got our back. We know that he is working his purposes for how he sees fit. We may not like it. We may not approve of it. But he is Lord, and he can do as he pleases. I know many believers that are just ready for Jesus to come back. And believe me, I'm ready for Jesus to come back, but there is still work to do. We can't rest on our haunches and wait for that his return. We need to get out there and tell people about this living hope. It isn't hard to run into somebody in our town or in our county that feels like all hope is lost. 
They feel like things will never get better. They feel like this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Hopelessness seems to be the default of many in our world. So here's what we need to do. We need to tell people about the hope found in Jesus. We need to tell people about the resurrection power of Jesus. We need to tell people and let them know that all hope is not lost. Hope is alive. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to celebrate your resurrection. Lord, to know that our hope is in you. Our hope is not in the things of this world. Our hope is in you. And we are grateful that you have revealed that to us. We are grateful that you saw fit to send Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be in a relationship with you. But Lord, we rejoice because he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And he has victory over sin and over death. And we can stand in that victory if we trust and obey. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is his name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing. Thanks for listening. To find out more information about our church and ministries, visit fbclouise.com.